What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the second ever episode of DadCast here on the Geekiverse Video and Podcast Network. Father's Day weekend edition. We're very excited to chat about video games and, of course, dad things. That's that's what we do here. I'm Josiah Leroy. Got my co-host, Tim Talbot. Tim, how are you on this fine evening? Good, good. It's uh, very hot out by us right now, so it's uh, nice oh to be gosh. in an air-conditioned building. Seriously, I feel like it's just not going away today, but hey, no. I we really shouldn't complain. It's okay, because it'll yeah. be snowing in like two days. With us, a very special guest, I've uh, someone I've come to follow on social media throughout the last few years, just kind of in games media, uh, been a fan of various things that he's done. He was gracious enough to be a part of uh, a written interview at the Geekiverse, um, I think it was last spring, or two springs ago, I should say, uh, host of the Putting in Work and Comedy Rewind podcast on the 8-Bit Collective, author of the Maven series. We've got John Opeck with us. All the way from Australia. Jono, thank you for taking the time to join us. How are you doing tonight? Or today, I I'm should say. I'm doing great. Yeah, I'm doing great, Josiah and Tim. And it's uh, winter over here, so I'm drinking a coffee just to warm up. Oh, I didn't think about that one. Yeah, that's how we do it. <laughs> so we're just... Uh, we're here to talk what it's like. Uh, the lifestyle of uh, being a dad, finding time to play video games... All three of us, uh, one one child at home, you kind of know the stories uh, if you're listening or watching for what Tim and I shared on last episode. Uh, so I've got a, a daughter that's turning two in August named Daisy. Uh, Tim has a son that's not terribly far ahead of that named Oliver. Yep. Uh, Jono, uh, if in as much or as little detail as you want, what, <laughs> why don't you tell us about the story of, uh, of your child? Yeah, so we have uh, a little boy, Micah, who is couple of weeks away from six months so he's in a pretty exciting little development period at the moment where sleep patterns are changing by the week and uh he's learning new things every day which is exciting but he's been a pretty good baby like from the stories i've heard we've got one of the good ones i think <laughs> won't be returning this one yeah that, i, I always made that threat yeah i think you got a lot of the good <laughs> i would say that was the biggest part for me that was a struggle early on just the lack of sleep so we obviously in the previous podcast my wife had a lot of issues so it took a lot of the the brunt and one story I told told in the, the last podcast is i was so tired during um the first i think it was maybe like three or four months in my wife really couldn't do a lot so i was waking up at night helping as much as i can and the one night i my wife was feeding in bed i picked up the baby gave her the baby my son and fell back asleep. She's like, hey, he's done. Put him back. So in my head, I go to scoop up my son to put him back. And she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, I tried to pick up our 65-pound dog and put her in the rock and play at the time. I was so tired. So it was... Uh, dog was on the bed? Yeah. Well, we have two 65-pound yeah. uh, dogs, okay. and they sleep on my half. So... Yeah. <laughs> Great. You're a hero for doing that. Thank I you. appreciate it. Have, we fortunately have... Um, know everyone's feeling healthy and well and my wife's done an amazing job but we've also got a baby that started sleeping through the night in the early months as well mm. so it's only really been in the last couple of weeks that he's realized oh i don't have to sleep i can wake up multiple times telling you john <laughs> <laughs> no, are, are you uh traditionally a night owl like is was yeah. it a big adjustment for you um not really because i naturally to bed quite late like midnight is usually like the earliest i would start thinking about going to bed and 
he has been sleeping before that, but it, like probably the biggest adjustment for me has been that few hours that I have to myself before bed have been interrupted more. So where my wife would usually go to bed at like nine is now staying up later because Micah isn't necessarily down yet, which means I get less time to myself to unwind and relax and, you know, play video games and edit podcasts and stuff. So that's been an adjustment, but that's only been like part of the time. So it's, it's, I can't really complain like from the stories that I've heard and I'm sure from like even your own experiences, there's people whose lifestyles have been interrupted way more than mine has. So yeah, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about it and just fingers crossed because, you know, at, even the last couple of weeks, things have been changing so much that I really don't know what to expect on ahead. Yeah, I can, I can agree with that. It's, it's definitely nice having that extra time. And I don't think that's something we talk about enough is as a dad, having your own personal time is I think, so important. And I mean, I don't know about you guys, but that's half the reason I game just to kind of unwind, have my own time. And my wife watches a lot of, I call it garbage television, but you know, a lot of television and we watch the occasional show together and stuff. But, you know, she understands that the reason I go downstairs and play games at night is the equivalent of her watching TV. It's just, in my opinion, more interactive than TV might be, but um, not saying I don't like TV. I just would prefer to play a video game. Sure. So, it's funny, like, I feel like my wife always appreciated, or res- I'll say respected the, the game time, but not until Animal Crossing came out did she truly, like, embrace it, because now it was like, well, should we flip a coin to see, like, who's kind of, you know, on duty tonight, you know, it's, <laughs> it's kind of that oh, wow. thing, um, <laughs> and yeah, like, she's, oh my gosh, she's put in so much time to it, but I love that, because it's like she's even more on my wavelength now, or I'm more on hers, if you will. We've, um, no, go ahead, Tim. No, I like, we've, uh, I, I, Jonah, did you ever play Animal Crossing or? Oh, I dodged that one. Oh, uh, gotcha. I played it. <laughs> it I probably it played was, it for the first two weeks, yeah. but could not get my wife into it. We play, I'll get my wife to play like Mario and there's this game called Overcooked that she loves. So that's a stress test right there. But I was actually playing The Last of Us up to the last few days and a couple nights ago. Micah went to bed. It was probably like nine o'clock, and I was thinking, "Oh yeah, I will go to bed soon. I'll get to get back into The Last of Us again because you know every minute not playing it is like, come on." Yeah. Um, then Hannah was like, "Oh, should we play Sheffy, which is what she calls Overcooked?" Uh, so <laughs> okay, so I like you know started that application Overcooked to. It's like you want to suspend or close The Last of Us Part Two, and I was just like. Ugh, this feels so wrong like playing a different <laughs> game at this point in history like it, it shouldn't happen but it was good fun and it was good f- like, she doesn't play many games with me but it was great to uh, kind of have that time together even though it's like you know stress test to the max to play yeah. overcooked it's like parenting except even harder <laughs> yeah once the kitchen's on fire everything kind of goes downhill yeah. <laughs> yeah oh i love that it's she calls it chefy i think that's so awesome yeah Oh my gosh! I tweeted that I tweeted it out that she calls it Sheffy, and I think the developers—that's probably a better name for it. <laughs> <laughs> Sheffy too. Oh, that's that's so much fun. I I adore that game. Um, I I always say I'm going to get back into it, but then uh, I feel like I—it's just going to be a roller coaster downhill for me because I I will uh, sink all my time into it, and it's tough with so many games out nowadays. Uh, but that is kind of a good segue. Uh, mm. Last of Us Part Two just came out uh, for us uh, within the last 24 hours. 
And um, I know I'm uh, I'm maybe only about three and a half hours into it. I haven't sunk too much time in. Tim, you had an awesome stream yesterday, uh, which raised a lot of money for the local children's hospital here. Yeah. If you want to speak to that real quick. So, yeah, we uh, so I stream on Twitch for Extra Life just for fun. And any money I raise through donations and uh, stuff like that, I just donate directly to our local children's hospital through there. And my idea is, hey, you know what? We'll give away The Last of Us Part Two and make a little event out of it. And thinking I'd raise like 100, 200 bucks, I ended up raising $600, which is crazy. So, uh, but uh, but yeah, it was, I think that was my longest stream I've ever done. I think it was 10 hours. So I almost good. kept going. Yeah. Honestly, and thank you to everyone who contributed there. Yeah. Um, that Oshai Children's Hospital means a lot to us, especially in the Western New York area. Um, so that you really you did some good work by donating there and in you know tuning in to, to watch Tim play. Yeah. Um, early impressions of the game. What, Jono? How how far are you into it? I'm actually about twenty two hours in. Damn. I've been putting in a lot of work and got it two nights early because a review copy for 8-bit we'll be doing like a spoiler cast on the hungry gamers and be some other uh, video content but i i love it I, this is the first time i've spoken about it apart from in a couple of chats that i'm a part of so it's going to be interesting to see if i can vocalize it but yeah like spoiler free like the emotional storytelling and nuances that naughty dog have put into this game just brilliant i think it's having finished it i think it's a masterpiece and you can just feel it with every moment that you're playing i think there's so much love and um skill and care and just all of it that's been put into this game from one of the best studios in the business like i like there's been some controversies with naughty dog as there probably is with any company of that size that uh has to work at creating something so perfect I won't hear a bad word said about the product that they that they end up with because I, I can't get enough of it. I wish I was playing it right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, Tim, I'm, you're enjoying it as well. Yeah, I'm similar ways to you. I think it's up there with some of the... Number one, the game's gorgeous. Absolutely. Jono, are you playing it on a PS4 Pro or a regular PS4? Just a regular. I haven't I never upgraded, but even even on the regular looks so good yeah yeah i had the pro i didn't know there was a difference and then um tank newton mike newton actually popped in when i was streaming yesterday he's like oh you're playing on a pro it looks different but the game itself i mean they did a phenomenal job just the way joel looks ellie looks amazing um and then just the game itself i know at the very beginning you get kind of get to see the scenery a lot and it's just beautiful and i think my favorite part about the way they did the last of us and the last of us part two is how real it feels sometimes. You know, I kind of give the example in the first one when you, you're you in a, a post-apocalyptic world and then you hit an event where there's drafts, you know, and it just kind of throws in that sense of reality that you don't normally get. And I think that's something they really did an amazing job with on the second one is just the little nuances of reality between the relationships that are building, the environment kind of showing you like, hey, the world's ending, but, you know, there's still hope. And that's kind of kind of what I loved about what I've played, and I really like how dark it is, and the ge- game gameplay itself feels amazing. I'm loving it. So, my only downside, only complaint, I wish Ellie moved a little faster. Okay. So, 
I've noticed that sometimes it kind of chugs along. Yeah. And sometimes I'm thinking, is it because she's hurt in the game and it's supposed to be? But yeah, it's, it's hard yeah. to tell. But you're right. Like the realism of it and like the groundedness is, is so on point. And there's long stretches of time where you don't encounter any you know, clickers, zombies, runners, whatever. And have to kind of remember oh yeah this is a, a world where there could be like a, a zombie around the corner like <laughs> and i just think get wrapped con- up in the problems of this community or the problems of these people and sometimes it's personal issues sometimes it's like issues about their environment but it doesn't really even need all the clickers and stuff for that to make it an interesting or tense game there's so much um emotion and weight coming out of just the story and the circumstances that it's riveting and even like the collectibles and reading the different notes and finding out what happened here. I know that's been something that's been in previous games, but I feel like there's characters in these notes that are developed so much more and it paints so much more of a picture of what has happened, whether it's at the start or recently during the, since the outbreak. And they didn't really have that in the first one, apart from that little section with Ish in the sewers, you might remember that section. Mm. Um, yeah, so I, I think that they've really learnt a lot from Seven Years, the first game, from Uncharted 4 as well. Some of the nuances, like even like the mechanics with having the journal as a collectible and more of the optional conversations and just little things that kind of add a little bit more flavour and, and interactivity and environmental storytelling. So... I'm loving that experience so far. What are, where are you up to, Josiah, and, and what's been your thoughts? Um, I'm just about three and a half hours in, and I I got to say early on, I, well, of course, I'm very much enjoying it. I love that you kind of nailed it. Like, in what they've learned in the seven years, first of all, it's crazy to think that it was seven years ago that we got the first game. Like, oh my goodness. If if I knew when that game came out, I was going to have to wait seven years, I, I would have been really upset, I think. But anyway, now we have it and it's awesome. But it they learned, they learned a lot. I'm happy that they took their time. I'm happy that they didn't really skimp on any detail. There were, It felt like there was no rush. Um, and it's just very carefully detailed and crafted. The even the uncharted four influence like that is clear to me though. This is very clearly a last of us game. Uh, like it's not like those, you know, games are, are kind of blending by any means. It's just, it's amazing to see all of it. The environments as Tim brought up uh, like the snow early on was absolutely fantastic. And this is not really spoilery if folks are worried about this, but seeing all of the kind of undead swarm, like we hadn't really seen in the past game. Um, it just speaks to kind of the, the life of the, how far the engine has come and whether you're playing on a PS4 or PS4 pro. And by the way, I am just playing on the regular PS4 and I I think it looks amazing. So I I can only imagine uh, what the pro would look like, but um, I love the moments. Anytime I, that we get a cutscene. I think it is atmospheric. The dialogue between the characters to my, uh, where I've gotten in the story so far has been really, really impressive and I can only imagine where it goes as I get to where you guys respectively are in, in your adventure for it. Uh, one thing that I do love is that I don't have to panic anytime I hear a clicker to a degree. 
Whereas in the, in the first game, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm dead. Like I'm dead. I don't have a shiv, uh, especially early <laughs> yeah. on. And here it's, it, there's a little more freedom with it. Uh, so uh, little things like that I, I've taken to, to appreciate. But yeah, Naughty Dog can't say a bad word about what they've, they've been able to craft time and time again here. Mm. Now, what difficulty so, did you guys put it on? Yeah. Uh, moderate or whatever the exact middle one is for me. Same here, and there's hard. like so much more resources than on, uh, in the first game. I found like I think playing on hard is probably the equivalent to the first game on normal as far as the scarcity of resources and ammo. I've, I found that I've always had like more than enough to craft what I needed and then be fully stocked. But yeah, I mean on the on the cutscenes thing before we we move on from that, like the motion capture and voice acting in this game is it's so good, like. Uh, it's it's unbelievable how great the animations are in, in a lot of the thing and scenes. Like not just in the cutscenes, but in the general gameplay, so much more put into it. Like sometimes you play a game and you can see they've mocapped uh, with the actors for the cutscenes, and then the rest of the game is somebody that's maybe they've mocapped a few actions and they've used those for the rest of the game. Uh, there's so much detail like there's a, a part with uh, ellie where you jump across we can jump now which is another great thing an uncharted influence but you jump across this gap and you almost fall and then ellie kind of scrambles up if you spin the camera around she makes this like really funny face like i nearly died just there and it's a a nuance that you wouldn't necessarily even notice but it's there and it's i think it comes from the acting and because they're um, there's dialogue through the whole game. Actors have literally owned the whole game, you know? And I think even, like, there's a moment where Joel kind of walks to a, a ray of sunlight and he kind of, like, turns back his head and he's, like, basking in the glow of the sun. There's another thing that if you weren't looking at him, you'd miss it. And it, there's also a part where riding a horse and, you, you know, you go underneath... A, a petrol station like roof i guess and the, the character kind of like ducks his head as as you go under it like it's not like right on top of your head but it's close enough that uh, it strikes me as like nuance and detail wouldn't be in most games and there's also while we're talking about all the motion capture like this mechanic with uh, ropes and cables where you can pick up a rope you can run around with it kind of like the um you know, the hooks, that you, the crank that you had in Uncharted 4 with the Jeep. And the way that, and it was probably in Uncharted 4 as well, but the way that Lee maneuvers that and, like, if you change direction, she'll, like, lift it over her head. It's just so natural and flawless. It's just a, a small detail that brings realism to it that you just go, these guys really just thought of everything, didn't they? Yeah. I, I love all those points. I In talking about Uncharted 4, I remember one particular... like They would break down so many different stats that you could keep when you pause the game. And one of them was just how much time you spent standing still. Because you either didn't know a cutscene was over and you were controlling your character again, or because you were panning around with the right thumbstick to look at the environment. And I found that I've done that a lot with this so far. Like, to specifically look at my character, if, if I'm running one way or walking one way, I painted around to see what they look like from the front for that very reason uh it's just it's incredible you don't see that in every game 
And you're right, Jono, with even just like kind of the, how they sway their head or how she she operates with uh, the rope mechanic. It just, the, I don't know. I'm very thankful for it. it. It's like a high degree of quality. What's more to that point is that there are almost no load times in this. Mm-hmm. And that kind of blows my mind that a game like this, this late in the generation that's this heavy and that big of a download, right? It's 100 gigabytes is is kind of crazy like to to think that like if you if you die your character's back in like four seconds that's that's great Hmm. or if you are going from a cutscene to gameplay to a cutscene there's really no load screen and in not a lot of games even to this day operate like that and i that's just that's naughty dog that's it yeah i think they've done a great job where like in the first game you remember there was a lot of sections where it was like boost me up to this or like we're gonna crawl through this tight space. It's it's just like a way to slow down the player so that they can load the next area. It happens so much that it kind of becomes like annoying. It, or it, even like it just comes obvious that they're doing something like that. Whereas in this game, there are those moments, but they're so few that they really have found a way to maximize what the PS4 can do, like what the base PS4 can do. I know, like, The Last of Us 4 remaster... Sorry, The Last of Us remaster that came out on PS4 was 60 frames a second, and I've just been talking to my friend Jared, who's pointed out this game's only 30 frames. I was like, well, why would they cut it back? Like, that seems like a step backwards. I'm guessing it's so that they can implement all of this, you know, processing and stuff in the background and just every ounce of, like, power out of the PS4 make it perform so well and you're right like it just works like <laughs> it, it just the the load reloads after death or if you just go crap i got spotted i'm gonna restart from the latest checkpoint basically instant it's like playing tony hawk and you know you right. stuff up a trick so you like restart there's no load time and, and the only time you'll actually have to wait for a load is if you literally go load game and go to a different save file from a different area that takes quite a while. Yeah. I mean, it seems like quite a while because you're used to this quick speed, but it's fantastic. I mean, the gameplay, uh, I, don't, I don't know if we're going through like each section of the game, but I, I feel like one of the knocks against the first game was gameplay's not that good or it's like, that's not that fun or whatever. I feel like they've ended up or they've made it more free flowing or something like that where it just feels a lot better. You feel more powerful. Uh, maybe it's intentional because you're playing a younger, more athletic character uh, and there's more access to weapons than there was in the first game. Whatever it is, uh, there's definitely I feel like more variety in the way that you can approach combat scenarios. And I certainly feel a lot more empowered when I'm in a group where I have like eight or ten guys to take out that I can do it and not really have to too carefully plan ahead to get through it and maybe it's the difficulty i'm playing on too but how have you guys found gameplay side of it compared to the first one i'm very similar on you i think i think it's very rewarding style gameplay i think now how do you play john do you play stealthy do you play like if you get mm-hmm. one you just kind of start taking them out yeah i usually try and do stealth until taking out a few and then if, if i get spotted then I, I can handle it or i'm you know it's great that you can actually run away and break Mm-hmm. into stealth which wasn't there in i don't think that was there in uncharted 4 
I think Uncharted 4 was one of the first games that of the Uncharted series where you, stealth was even a real option. I'm struggling to remember now, but I yeah, they, they've definitely, yeah. Anyway, they've definitely um, made some more nuance into the kind of stealth mechanics, and I think that that's really cool. And like the, and like the grass being able to hide in grass and take people out and after silencer for for your gun and have yeah. th- that extra option as a stealth um, stealth weapon. So I think it's just more variability in the enemies as well. Uh, Having like guard dogs makes it like first of all tougher to of end your your attack when there's something that can find you when they can't see you. Mm-hmm. But it also adds an emotional weight of like, do I really want to kill this dog? I struggled. I guess I, really I have did. to because it's going to rip my throat out. Yeah, <laughs> I struggled. I, I when I first got to the part, I was like, can I do this without hurting a dog? And I mean, I don't know if you can or you can't. I don't know, but it did not work out in my favor. So, but yeah, I agree. I think. So you kind of made the the point of the facial, like the point you made where she's jumping. So one thing I didn't realize, like maybe I was like f- three hours in, actually looking at her face when she stealth kills. Have you done that? Have you turned? It's like realistic, and that yeah. to me was like, it was it was. Uh, they intense. they do a um, I noticed that they kind of slip the animation off screen slightly. To um, mask the brutality of mm-hmm. you know the knife or whatever it is going across the throat, but yeah, it's so brutal. Yes, and like, that was one of the things that stood out about Last of Us was, I guess, every kill felt heavy, as opposed to you know an Uncharted where you kill literally like a thousand enemies. And kind of just shrug it off. But the Last of Us, you actually felt the weight of those um, enemy kills, even if they were just like, number four or whatever it yep. is. Because, you know, they're making gurgling noises, they're calling each other by, well, in this game especially, they're calling each other by name. They're like Adam or, you know, whatever when someone goes down. So I think they've. <laughs> doubled down on that element of it and it feels it, it feels like there's a weight to it and yeah, it even real. in some of the stories some of the even in some of the story stuff there's um several reactions to some of the violence that's like some tra- there's clearly some trauma in the characters which makes perfect sense even in this strange world that the game takes place in like yeah it makes sense for characters to experience trauma because of yeah, actions yeah yeah but i like i said i love the gameplay i think it's very well done you can tell they took their time with it you kind of mentioned the stealth i like that they when you break stealth they don't immediately go to like oh and stop it's like they're searching for you they don't know where you are yeah. but they're not like just blindlessly stopping. That building yeah yeah they're like running around still and i kind of love that aspect and um you know, similar to you, I'm on hard mode, and I still find myself, especially being more of a stealth stealth kind of player, you know, growing up with Metal Gear Solid and, and Tom Clancy's and stuff like that, naturally I want to take out as many as I can by stealth and then deal with whatever else I have to at that point. And there's times where you can't do that, which also make it very fun. And I think that kind of adds the suspense. Suspense for me, 
you get to a point where you're trying to stealth kill and you get spotted, it's that rush of like, you know, what do I do now? Do I run? Do I fight? Do I, and I think they did that very well. And, um, you know, like I said, I love the gameplay. I, I'm, I'm excited to finish the game and go read all the reviews and find out why people thought it wasn't good because I am generally confused. I don't understand how it couldn't be anything better than like, it, I mean, it's amazing in my opinion so far. No matter what way the story goes, my opinion's already kind of sat on how I feel about it. Um, you know, it's an emotional journey and I'm loving every second of it. So, Yeah, I've started to hit a couple of things where I'm like, okay, it's an interesting choice they've done here. It's not something that everyone will like. So I can, I'm starting to see maybe why um, yeah. some people might have felt like they've gone too far or done too much or been too fancy some of their decisions to, to tell the story. Uh, it's you know, it's Naughty Dog, so I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt until I've finished the game completely before I say, we're done without that section or, you know, whatever it might be. So, And I'm 13 yeah, hours in, so... I've, uh, sure, yeah. I mean, might be creeping up to halfway. I'm not sure because I haven't finished it, but yeah. Spoilers. I'll, I won't say anymore. <laughs> no, Joe, what do you think? I mean, for the little gameplay that you've kind of experienced, what do you think about it all so far? Yeah, I think... Um, well, first of all, could you guys hear me? Yes. Okay, sorry. Thanks. Might cut out for like two seconds. Um, gameplay's been fine. I think uh, it definitely feels different, which is good. Like it then from playing in Joel or in the first one is Joel. I think um, it, I don't know if I'm just too early in the game, but it feels like it's easier to upgrade uh, certain things, which is okay by me because I'm really here for the story more than anything, even, even the gameplay in, in the world. Um, and what I did when I, I replayed last of us on PS4 earlier this year, I scrounged everything. Like I left no stone unturned and that's not typically how I play a game. I usually just want to jump right through the story, get into the action and, and, you know, get to my ending. But with this one, I've been trying to like savor every, every place. Like when uh, early in the game, Dean is telling you, Hey, we may want to stock up on weapons here. Okay, fine. I'm going to fill out that map a little bit and walk around and go into every little building. And that's kind of what I've been doing. Um, and I find that the the world, you know, it definitely feels like it's in that world and then in the, the same setting as the first one, but it's still different. Like it's it's years later. It's it's a new part of the U.S. Um, we're obviously running into new characters. So it's a nice continuation in summary from part one, but it still has its own unique identity, I think. So it's uh, yep. it was worth the wait in short. That was the, I don't remember. Was characters the first one is open? No, okay. not at all. I mean, I there's there's sections was, but... of uh, there's sections of this game that are very open, and that's direct follow-on from the Lost Legacy, and where there was a section that was literally just it was like an open world for for an area, like a hub, kind of, kind of like in God of War when you get to, to the you know to that main area with all the islands and the canoe and everything. And then you can like each section as you as you choose and we obviously have that in an early section of up to that was definitely i can see that being an idea they played with in lost legacy then most part it's it's a linear game where you know there's a building on that side of the street there's a building on that side of the street and maybe there's a safe over there maybe there's some resources and notes over there it, because of that, it feels more open, even though there is a direct path 
often made multiple ways to get through to an area you know before it might have been you have to climb over but now it's you can climb over or if you go a different way you can find there's like a hole in the ground you can crawl under i think if um that made it feel a lot more natural that kind of exploration except if you're playing the way i am trying to go down every single path and not wanting to miss any collectibles it's like just backtracking a lot and that's how i am <laughs> being like oh do I go down there or do I go down there? Hopefully, that's the way that they want me to go. So I'm going to go this way. And then you go, crap, that was the way that pushes the story forward. And now I can't get back to there. I'm going to have to play the whole game over. <laughs> so that, that's just, I'm yeah. the exact same way. I, I told Joe last, between the last time we did this, I finally played through Star Wars Fallen Order. And yeah. same way, I'm the same way as you. It's a phenomenal game. I 100%ed it just because I thought it was so amazing. And I think if the game was any more open, Last of Us, to part two, I think I would be in trouble because I I don't want to <laughs> go too far and be like, oh, I missed this. So Seattle's it's been a, it's fun. a tough thing because it's tough because there's story as like the impetus to keep going. It's like okay, got to push the story forward. Can't get too caught up in looking for like ammo and stuff. Then as you do that, you're finding notes and things that add to the story. So it's a balance of like, my stalling this important mission too much. Uh, you know, when I should be, I'm meant to be looking for this guy, so I should be doing that. But then also the story's getting kind of breadcrumbed to you along the way. So I think they've done a pretty good job of catering to whatever style of play people want. I think you could finish the game in literally half the amount of time that it's probably taking people like us. If you just, you know, the essential... Uh, resources and fill up your ammo and took off and didn't looking for maybe there's a vault here or maybe there's a collectible that i don't know about if, you, if you're playing that way the game is probably going to be twice as long right i saw so on ign um they had kind of like a small roundtable article their quickest playthrough was 23 hours i believe and their longest one was about 45 oh man i'm so that's for. that's quite the range especially for a game like this where it's typically not that big of a range like i it's it's amazing to see that you can kind of craft your story with this one or how far you want to go in terms of side content so that's impressive um in uh just kind of wrapping up our our last of us discussion here Jono, you said you guys are going to be talking about uh last of us uh on some of your podcasts shortly Uh, so people can expect spoiler cast uh, things of that nature yeah, definitely. So the Hungry Gamers is the flagship podcast of 8-Bit and uh, we are going to do a full spoiler cast, me and Brendan White, and that's going to start with, similar to this discussion, some non-spoilery talk for people that haven't progressed that far and we'll break down everything, all the twists and turns and, uh, you know, who died, who survived, who made me laugh, who made me cry. Uh, there's definitely going to be of that in there too so yeah it, it's i can't wait to to talk about it because you know, we've all got friends playing it and we're all at different points in the game so it'll just be good to finally just comment out my my full perspective this masterpiece and that that should be not by, by uh hmm, a week from when this places i'm guessing it should be definitely out by then otherwise 8-bit channel is probably going to have a video that I've put together. I'm, I'm recording some of the most brutal combat uh, moments and 
drills and, and that kind of thing while I play so I can put together just a little mashup of um, some of the of what the game has to offer. It might be too much for some people to, to tolerate actually, but we'll see how it goes when I'm editing. Oh, that's all of that. Sounds awesome, man. I'm, I'm so happy to hear you guys are, are covering it to that level. And I, we're in the same boat. Like there's probably four or five of us at the Geekiverse who are at different stages of it. And we all have like kind of talked here and there and like tiptoed and been like, Hey, where are you? Mm-hmm. When do you think you're going to finish it? When can we record our spoiler cast? Things like that. Yeah. So it's uh it's fun. It's an event though, right? It's a pop culture event for us. Yeah. We're just, we've all had on the calendar for, for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, John, in terms of being an author, uh, doing what you do for podcasting and video production, and then just finding time for yourself to play games, watch TV, movies, you name it, how do you find that balance in, in being a dad nowadays? Like, What kind of an adjustment has that been overall? Because I feel like you kind of got to pick and choose which activities kind of fall by the wayside. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I always said like, if something has to give, it'll probably be podcasting because... <laughs> kind of the optional thing like i can't just stop playing games <laughs> um but i've fortunately not really had to change too much of my life since becoming a dad i still get that time you know, when people are sleeping and the house is mine i still have that to myself it's a lot harder when you have something like the last of us to come out and you just want to literally binge it and like play for eight hours but you know even just getting married is the kind of thing that can kind of interrupt that a good way you know being married is and, and having less time for games is better than it than being alone and having like all day to play games in my opinion agreed <laughs> but, um yeah <laughs> i think it's just um really is uh finding ways to be efficient with your time and it might mean cutting back on certain things like as you mentioned like i've written two books in my free time over the past uh, four years i guess and that's not happening anymore. I am working on a video game called Trigger Witch, but it's much less taxing and grueling in, in terms of my time and it's more of a, a fun thing to do. So that is, uh, it doesn't really compare to the, the pressure of, okay, I want to get this book finished. So that's kind of opened up time. And then I guess, yeah, it is for me being a night owl, just a natural um, period where I can do what I want with my time. And I think for other people, you know, it's just important to have time to yourself. And we're talking as three dads. It's, I think it's just as important for mums to, to do it as well. And it's so much harder because obviously, whether it's feeding or whatever it might be, a lot of mums feel like more attached and they can't just, you know, tend for a couple of hours that they aren't a parent. Like they have to be in mum mode constantly. And, so I, I think it's important to give our partners that kind of space to have their own time, whether it's to go out and do some shopping or to be, if they like playing games or watching TV, giving them the freedom to, to do that and looking after our kids for, for that time. But for me, I've, I've been blessed to have like a really supportive wife who understands my hobbies and understands how important it is to unwind. So I think a big part of it is communication. You know, saying like The Last of Us 2 is coming out. This only happens once every seven years. So I'm going to be playing it a lot. Is that okay? Um, yeah. You know, if you really need me, tell me and I'll help where I can. Um, please know sure. that I love you. Uh, but 
this is this is gonna suck my attention for a <laughs> it's give and take right it's communication is key you're you're so right on that um i'm happy to, to hear you've had a, a good experience with it um and it's funny like tim and i only kind of sort of met uh a few months ago well we were in a gaming group in buffalo on on facebook and we got to talking and we both realized we were at relatively similar stages in terms of uh, interests and just, you know, being relatively new dads. And we we're like, you know, we should start a podcast about this. And here we are. Um, and it's, cool. it's been fun right. to, to kind of talk about uh, just what day to day looks like and, and things of that nature. Um, so the, the rest of the year is there's a lot going on in the world mm-hmm. of gaming. There's, there's a lot of, we got cyberpunk coming out still. Uh, Avengers is coming out. We've got brand new Xboxes and playstations on the way. Uh, what are you most excited for if you could uh, maybe pin one towards the top there? Yeah, I think it is just the PS5 in general. Like I'm a PlayStation guy, always have been. So that's something that <laughs> I've been like, especially having a PS4, like a, basically a launch PS4, like really need to upgrade. It's it's even like a practical thing. Like my shocks only last like three hours on full charge. So I actually need a new console and it's you know it's as loud as a jet engine i gotta play with headphones when i'm playing like (laughs) something like the last of us but yeah i think it would be the ps5 if i had to pick any one thing and as far as games yeah cyberpunk's probably the thing that has most of my interest even though it just got delayed again yeah and it's who knows if it will come out this year (laughs) this rate not knowing much about the game is one of the things like I went dark on The Last of Us up to probably a year ago and haven't watched any trailers or anything. So, um, and in the same way with Cyberpunk, I watched snippets of the reveal. Being such a big fan of The Witcher 3, mm. finished it, platinum, I finished it three, four times. I can't remember. Um, wow. And the, the, you know, just, and actually it was the first game that I finished as a, when I became a dad because I had a lot of time off work and uh, it's a huge game, but that goes to show how much my gaming was not interrupted by being a parent that I can still <laughs> finish a game like that. Um, but yeah, CD Projekt Red uh, uh, have a huge um, green light as I'm concerned after The Witcher 3 to create something they believe in. So don't want to know really much about it. I just want to go in and Oh, yeah, probably on a PS5, hopefully. That's exciting. I know there's there's so many things that you can pick and choose from that it's uh it's it's been a good year and I think it will continue to be a good year to to be a gamer. Um are you picking up Ghost of Sushima next month? Yes, I will be playing that game. Um and it's another one that I haven't really been thinking about it. I haven't been watching much about it because it's a first party PlayStation game. And from such a great developer, it's it's one where I feel like the less I know, the better. Because you know, there's probably been a few things that I've heard people talk about that aren't up my alley. Um, but with the kind of blind trust that I have in the track record of the studio and um, the publisher, it's like, yeah, I know it's going to be great. It's not going to be like The Last of Us it's not going to be god of war level at least i don't think it will be me anyway uh, but 
less expectation I have of that kind of thing, I think the more I'm going to enjoy it. So I'm not going to be um, expecting a pure masterpiece. I'm just expecting a great game that's good good time. And it'll be, it'll be nice to have kind of a palate cleanser after everything in The Last of Us 2. Hopefully it's a bit lighter. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, I'm sure everything would be like a bit lighter compared to compared to this but i'm looking forward to that too i think it has been kind of like for me at least it hasn't been a, a great year for games up to now like final fantasy was cool i mean i love final fantasy 7 mm-hmm. make Eternal was great but it's been pretty slow if, if you haven't got into animal crossing like i didn't it feels the year feels very different compared to someone that spent 200 hours in animal crossing yeah i'm, I'm similar boat i love final fantasy remake and um I wish I had the patience to do that. Just go dark on a game. That's so cool. I never thought about doing that. That's awesome. <laughs> it takes uh, dedication. I yeah. think it's hard to to not be tempted. Oh, um, and I'm like, oh, go ahead on the console thing. So I have a PS4 Pro. We kind of talked about that. I never told you why I have a PS4 Pro. I didn't want one. I didn't buy it on release. What actually happened is, for the longest time, I got a PC and I've been doing a lot of PC stuff lately. Um, and I started gaming in my basement, which is the new new thing because with the child upstairs, I tend to be too loud and then that doesn't ever works. So for a good period of time, I used to video, play video games in bed. So my wife would watch TV and then I actually set up a second TV on our nightstand and I'd put headphones on and I'd play video games in bed. And what ended up happening was is my PS4 ended up ejecting the disc and turning on randomly during the night. So at like three in the morning, my PS4 would turn on here, and the desk would just go in and out, in and out. And I had to unplug the PS4 in order to get it to stop. So finally, I was like, it wouldn't take a disc anymore. So I was like, I got to upgrade and had to get oh, no. That's so, awkward. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> my wife was like, shut that off. I'm trying to sleep. I'm like, oh, oops. So. Well, uh, I just, Jono, I would one more question before we, we wrap up this episode of Dadcast here on the, the Geekiverse Network. Um, you've interacted um, in, in Ben on and in, uh, talked with them in podcast form. The guys over at Kind of Funny, I know a lot of our listeners will really appreciate that. Take us through just those experience with, uh, experiences with Greg and some of the other guys there and Colin Moriarty as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. First of all, huge influence on my interest in games. Back to Beyond at IGN, that was kind of the Beyond. podcast that <laughs> made me realize, oh, there's actually an industry to this games thing. Because up until that point of getting into it, I was just a casual gamer. Like, I, you know, I loved games up with the PS1 and had a, a, a Sega before that. But, mm-hmm. um, I just casually played them, enjoyed them, put them aside, didn't really think about what was happening to make the games, what was happening in the industry, didn't know what first party, third party, you know, all, all that stuff that we love to nerd and geek out about now. Podcast Beyond was kind of what introduced me to that. And then getting into the kind of funny community was my first real online community. So that was a really big thing for me. And they came, Greg uh, and Tim came to RTX sydney uh, when big events were still possible pre-coronavirus and not only was that a really important time because i met a lot of my some of my my best friends now through like a community meetup i actually got a chance to i got a media pass to the event and i got to interview greg and i got to interview him short interviews kind of like 15 minutes 20 minutes 
that was the start of putting in work my interview podcast. I thought, I'm not currently working or writing for anyone. What am I going to do with these opportunities to interview people? And I was like, okay, I'll just I'll start a podcast and try and find creative people to talk to. I know a few creative people. I'm sure that I can kind of get the episodes or whatever. Up to 140 episodes now. And for a, about 115 of those weeks, it was executive I, I never missed a week and just met reaching out to as many people as i could and fortunately um, i was able to you know interview some really cool people in, in in games not only games but entertainment in general comedians musicians just easier to talk to people that work in games because they understand podcasts they understand um you know, they're a lot more accessible than your actors and that kind of thing um, but yeah, it was great. Uh, very easy to talk to talk to RTX to start with those kind of funny guys, and then getting a chance to interview Nick. It was hilarious, and it was great to talk to him about his stand-up career. And Colin has been a really big supporter of mine over the past couple of years. We've been on each other's podcasts, and he's been. Um, big supporter of my writing with um some shout outs when he was at kind of funny to help kind of a few copies and then he's written a foreword for my second book the uh, the maven effect um so yeah i've i find that those community especially but those four five guys if you include um i've, I've had and andy cortez on the podcast as well um it's it's been a big part of, of my podcast getting some level of success is, is tapping into that community and um, kind of you know, the people that are connected to them, whether it's like Jared Petty, Andrea Renee, Scott Lowe, who's who does social at Naughty Dog now or community management or whatever it's called. Um, yeah, it's just great to um, know that a lot of people in that community were listeners in the early days and it was because of those early interviews with Greg and Tim that was able to build an audience early on, which is so important in your early days of podcasting to feel like somebody's actually listening. It encourages you to keep going. And without those kind of early interviews, I don't know if the rest of it would have happened, but yeah, go back through the the archives. If you're listening as a kind of funny fan and want to hear kind of a timestamp of what life was like in 17, 2018 for those guys. And a lot of, uh, of big names in in the casting and, and video game space it's awesome yeah john it, it's so awesome to see because like you you inspire us right like we're we're independent podcasters and in media folks like we we do this as a side job and seeing the success you've had in throughout your relatively short career in this and just in like you said how many consecutive weeks you did for putting in work it's just awesome to see uh, so thank you for, for doing what you do. Yeah. We we appreciate it's that. A, it's a hobby for me too. Like it's it's um it was it started as something and, and you know any time that you do something creative, you're always thinking like oh maybe this will be the the big break. Maybe this will get me into the business. Maybe this album that I'm recording will get me into a rock star. And it's always kind of like that wishful thinking. And but ultimately, yeah, it's a hobby, and it's it's probably led to some cool opportunities. Like I mentioned before, I'm working on um, a video game with Inbite developers called Trigger Witch, and I'm writing the story for that. 
I've started doing some sound design, so I'm pretty stoked to get into game development. And that's kind of in a roundabout way because of the podcast, because I interviewed devs that made Reverie a a couple of years ago and went off with one of them in particular. And that kind of relationship and, and, you know, the experience of writing my book, which again goes back to the kind of funny community in a lot of ways, um, it all has kind of led me I am so you know I don't want to act like I'm some kind of like shot with a Patreon with thousands of subscribers or anything so I'm not I'm just a podcaster like you guys Um, but I've had some really cool people on my show and have two over the years so it's um I'm not uh shouldn't be I don't think you should be putting me too high (laughs) well you're you're humble so I that's appreciated as well but uh Honestly, all of it. There's so much, so many good things going on for you, Jono. And like I said, we're we're so appreciative that you're on the show here. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna wind down this episode of Dadcast, just the second episode. Uh, so as soon as we started talking about the show, we we'd kind of circled you as uh, an option here. So we're glad to to make it happen. Tim, uh, where can people find you on social media and anything to, to plug for your numerous things going on with the Geekiverse? Yeah, too many. Uh, no, just kidding. Uh, so everything's <laughs> Tim Tales and everything, T-I-M-T-A-L-S, Twitter. Um, you know, that's probably my main source of uh, social media. And then also uh, Twitch. I stream occasionally, play a lot of uh, first-person games. Sometimes I'll, I'll dive into the competitive shooter genre if I don't get too upset with it. But um, yeah, pretty much you uh, can follow me. I post a lot on... RPGs, big fan. So I have one last question for Jono before we get off. Favorite, I always ask fellow PlayStation fanatics this question. Favorite PS1 game? PS1. The toss-up between Metal Gear Solid and Final Fantasy VII. Nice. I think that's Those are my, the only choices. My, my top three are Final Fantasy VII, Castlevania, and then Metal Gear Solid. Top, Pretty close. Just played Symphony, yeah, I just played Symphony of the Night for the first time a couple of months ago. So I can see that, you know, if I played that 20 years ago, then maybe that would have been up there too. If you ever get bored, that same developer made a game called... Um, I always talk about the name of this game and I always forget it. And I'm going to forget it right now. So, But um, <laughs> anyways, it just came out. A Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. Oh, right, sure. It's really no, good. I didn't... Um, yeah, I've heard so many good things and it's been reviewed so well. So I'm sure... Uh, the right sale will tempt me into yep. picking it up at some point. Yeah, yeah. But that's all the stuff I post about. And then, again, thank you again for coming on. I think, for me, as Joe kind of said, pleasure. it's nice to, you know, being a dad and, you know, I work a lot of hours sometimes. It's nice to have other people and friends you can kind of chat about games. And in my opinion, I love The Last of Us Part Two. And honestly, part of that fun is talking about your experience with other people. And that's what I love, so... I think it's a great idea that you have to do this podcast. Uh, a lot of guys don't talk about things like parenting and mental health and relationships and whatever. So it's it's really good to have a platform like this mm-hmm. for that kind of discussion to happen. So good on you guys and good up for sure. So all the dads out there, we're, we're all, all us gamers are getting older and settling down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we're keeping the game and going, so it's important. Yeah, um, definitely. And- uh, Jono, where can people find you on social media if they are not already following you? And uh, where yeah. can people uh, check out 8-Bit as well as the Maven series? Oh, so if you search for me on any socials, I'm at Jono himself, J-O-N-O. 8-Bit is at We Are 8-Bit, which is A-T-E-B-I-T. And 
the Maven series, you can find type in my name uh, into Amazon or probably the best place is to go to gumroad.com slash Jono himself. And that's where you can get both of the books, uh, e-format, physical. That's, that's where you can order them if you have um, an interest in um, uh, geek-friendly spy investigation, espionage, narrative, novel literature. I just made up a word, novel literature. <laughs> it's a, it's novel like crossed it. with liter- literature. <laughs> <laughs> I promise that I write better than I than I speak. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's awesome! I'm gonna I'm gonna use that. That's that's very good. Um, on social media, I am at Josiah D. Leroy, uh, talking about all things gaming, of course. Uh, we just want to say thank you for tuning into this episode uh, on YouTube or on uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, any major streaming platform. Um, happy Father's Day to to all the dads out there. It's such an important job. Uh, you're you are your, your children's heroes. Um, it's so important to set the, the right example to communicate, as we mentioned on this episode, to find time for yourself, all of it. This is almost like a, a positive support group for dads. So we, we hope you'll continue joining us for future episodes of DadCast. We had a, a wonderful uh, conversation with Jono. Uh, we look forward to, to more content in the future. So uh, for Tim, for Jono, I'm Josiah. We will catch you all next month for next month's episode. Thanks again. Have a wonderful day.